This is Dorel Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 183. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor Podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek, and you are listening to the Before the Millions Podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions Podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions Podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What is going on, good people? Welcome to a brand new installment of the Before the Millions podcast. I'm your host, DeRay Olalaye. And uh, on today's episode, man, there's a little bit of excitement in the air because we're going to show you how to double your real estate income. And typically, you know, this is the type of episode that you may skip or you may be like, ah, this is a boring one when it comes to 401ks and IRAs and Roth this and self-directed that. But this is where the money's made. So selfishly, we're going to have a bit of these type of episodes coming up here shortly where it pertains to the self-directed qualified plans, uh, business credit, private investors and so forth, because not only is it about keeping the money that you're making, but it's about having access to capital to do more and more deals. So on today's show, we have on Mr. Carl Fisher, and Carl is a third generation real estate developer. Now, mind you, Carl went from launching rockets for a living to lending on real estate deals. And Carl will talk about the specific way that he lends, but he lends using what's called a Roth IRA. And when he stumbled upon this way of investing way back when, he was able to double his real estate income just by implementing this one little thing. So if tax-free sounds too good to be true, just just wait, guys. Just wait. Listen to this episode, and we'll dive into exactly why some of these self-directed plans are excellent tools for earning tax-free income. Now, before we get to it, make sure you're subscribed because we have a lot more heat coming your way. So make sure you're subscribed to the Before the Man's podcast and and you still have a little bit of time left for our current giveaway. And we're giving away a month. Oops. I mean, we're giving away a year's free trial of PropStream, the software that I use for most of my real estate needs. If you want to enter the giveaway for a year's free trial, actually, it's not a year's free trial. It's a year's membership. Right. It's not a free trial at all. You're, like We're paying for an entire year's membership to PropStream. So that's a twelve hundred dollar value. All you have to do is leave a rating and review for this podcast, take a screenshot of that rating and review, and email that screenshot to info at beforethemillions.com with the subject line giveaway. Do those three things and you are automatically entered and we're announcing winners here on the very first episode of April. 
So make sure that you get your submission in. Now, again, this episode has been a great refresher for me. And this episode has got me thinking a whole lot because since I left the corporate world back in 2017, I really haven't thought a whole lot about 401ks and HSAs and 403Bs and custodial this and SEP IRAs that. You know, it's just been something that I just thought I never had to worry about again. But lo and behold, as a real estate investor, these tools are even more powerful. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into the tip of the week. DeRay's tip of the week. Oh, man. So good help is hard to find, right? I mean, this is something that we all know. Like when you got somebody good, you just want to hold on to them, right? Because good help is just so freaking hard to find, right? And, you know, I, I got plenty of stories over the past few years about, you know, good help and bad help. And um, you guys have most likely heard them on some of the previous episodes. But more recently, one of my top performing virtual assistants, we call them VAs, one of my top performing VAs just up and left. He quit and he's nowhere to be found. And the reason a VA can easily quit and be nowhere to be found is because they live halfway across the world, right? A lot of my VAs are from the Philippines. Well, I've had, I've had systems and processes in place over time when uh, start to see that, you know, it happens. It's just a part of doing business. I mean, same thing with local employees, right? But it's very time consuming, um, draining. And also it, it hurts your business when a main part of your business, a key person in your business just up and leaves. So, um, I always try to prevent these types of things, right? Uh, when it comes to communication, when it comes to bonus structure, when it comes to days off and gift giving and all that good stuff. But again, it happens. Uh, if you're a part of my email newsletter, hopefully all of you are a part of my email newsletter. If you're not, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash newsletter. Um, I, I often host different trainings every once in a while, sometimes once a month, sometimes once every two months. But uh, we got a few coming up here shortly. And the first one, just because I'm in immediate need of it, is um, I have to fill a vacancy. So I'm hosting a training whereby a lot of my personal one-on-one clients have been asking, hey, um, I want you to train my virtual assistant the same way you train your virtual assistants. So I'm hosting a training here coming up shortly. The training is not going to show you how to train your virtual assistant, but I'm actually inviting your virtual assistants to the training on your behalf. So not only will all my real estate investor friends be on the training and my students, but also their virtual assistants. And personally, I'm going to be hiring two more virtual assistants to take over in the role in which my last virtual assistant just left. So if you already have a VA or you've just recently hired a VA or your VA just needs to go through some real customer relationship management training, whether, you know, whether they're marketing or they're, you know, preparing your contracts for you, whatever the case may be, myself and my team will be training them on all things virtual assistants as if I'm training my own VAs, because guess what? The two brand new VAs that I'm hiring for this position, I'm actually going to be training them with this training on this call. So I'm training my own VAs live. So there's nothing that we won't cover because, again, I need my own VAs to be able to fully execute the job. So if you want to learn more about the actual job and what's in the job description and what actually gets done behind the scenes of a real estate business, this can be super helpful for you as well. There's actually very little, surprisingly, that I do in my business. I don't market. My VAs do that. I don't follow up. My VAs do that. The main thing that I do is I connect with the motivated seller. And when it's time to send offers, when it's time to drop contracts, again, my VAs do all of that. 
when it's time to get somebody out for an inspection, my VAs do that. So again, there's very, very, very little that I actually do in my real estate business. But what I do do in my business is the most important thing, which is actually get the deals done. So so again, my goal is to train my VAs and your VAs to be full service VAs. And again, this opportunity presented itself because my last VA just kind of up and left. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be hosting this training. So shout out to him, I guess, maybe. So this VA training will be coming up here shortly. We haven't locked down a date, but dates are coming soon. Everything is coming soon. Description is coming soon of everything we'll talk about. And again, this is why you want to be subscribed to the newsletter. We have trainings every so often, and these trainings can range from $49 to a few hundred dollars, but they're super, super, super jam-packed. And they're not presentations or webinars or master classes. They're actually, hey, we're actually doing this now. Like, do this with us. All of my one-on-one clients and all of my students, they know the drill. They get access to all this stuff for free. Like, once you're a student of one of my products or once you're a client, you get access to everything that I got for free. It's just, it just comes with. So again, if you're interested in, you know, these trainings that we have going on or everything that we have going on, really, we do a lot of freebies, a lot of contests, um, a lot of lives. Um, just make sure you're subscribed. It doesn't have to be that you're particularly interested in VA training. Just make sure that you are on the mailing list. Make sure that you get my weekly newsletter. I think that's the most important message here in this tip of the week because there's so much value in those. So make sure that you are subscribed to the newsletter over at beforethemans.com forward slash newsletter. I do know we have another training coming up um, as it pertains to, again, these monthly trainings. And it's going to be a training on buying real estate with pieces of paper, right? Not money, but pieces of paper. And these pieces of paper are called contracts. So most of the deals that I do are bought with contracts, not cash contracts. So again, I primarily don't use investors. I don't use any credit. I don't get a loan. I don't go to the bank and get this. Make sure you hear this part clearly. I don't need a down payment. I don't need a great credit score. So I have a training coming up on that as well. Make sure that you are subscribed to the newsletter as these monthly trainings are only announced on a newsletter. I don't really even promote them on social media, which I think I need to start doing a better job at. But again, my newsletter is the number one way that you'll know what's going on in the Before the Millions world. So I just wanted to drop that by you guys before we get into the episode. We got a VA training coming up. You don't want to miss it. Your VA doesn't want to miss it. And we got a ton more trainings coming up after that. Beforethemillions.com forward slash newsletter. Let's get it. And now your feature presentation. Okay, well, the first thing I have to say is that my mom and dad were into real estate. And their moms and dads were into real estate. Uh, So we kind of come from a real estate uh, clan. And, uh, you know, when my forefathers came over from uh, Europe, they got into real estate here in the United States. And it's kind of kind of been in in the in the workings. Right. I read rich dad, poor dad. And I, I wonder why anybody rents, you know, versus owning. So it was just a little bit of a different, a different twist. Um, and, you know, growing up, my dad would be able to take vacations and summer vacations, and we would go to the Jersey Shore and spend a month or two there. And he would fly back and forth uh, a couple of times, but basically he could spend the summer with us. Uh, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, which was great. I, uh, 
went to school up in New York uh, at Cornell University. And when I got out of school, I went to Kennedy Space Center and I was launching rockets, uh, which was fun. And I liked it. It was a great job. It was corporate. But, you know, we were doing manned space flight and I thought we'd be having uh, um, sandals vacations in space by the time I got to this age or, or earlier. So when I got there, uh, number one, I graduated college and uh you know, summer vacation. I, I took one that year before I went to work. And, but then once I went to work, uh, you know, you end up with two weeks vacation and that just, you know, that, that like killed me. And I said, well, I got to make money so that I don't have to work. You know, I can take more than two weeks vacation. So that's, that's kind of where I really like the, uh, the real estate because it is, uh, you know, it's not as passive as some investments, but it's more of a sure thing going forward. And I call it a get rich slow scheme, uh, depending on how hard you want to work. You know, it is about how fat, fast or slow, slow it goes. Um, so that's kind of how I, I got into the real estate part of it. Uh, I love launching rockets, but quite frankly, um, when you have real estate, whether you're working at a job or you're on vacation at the shore or you're in the Bahamas fishing, um, you can be making money, right? I love interest and I love rent. You know, nobody complains about paying rent, you know, basically 24 seven. They're on their work. They're in their homes on the weekend. So they know they got to pay their monthly rent. So, uh, that's kind of the way I thought about it. It was mailbox money, and, and uh, um, I thought that was good. My dad taught me how to do it. I started doing that after I paid off my student loans and um, uh, graduating was making, making some uh, decent money at the time. I mean, it would be a pittance in today's world, uh, you know, 40 years ago. So that's basically how I got into real estate. Yeah. And did you start out as I mean, did you were you did you start out like just renting out single family homes or did you start out in the development space? Well, the 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 first thing I I, I did have a you know, I did do uh, building um, and I bought some land and, and I built the house, you know, the house and I'm a buy and hold guy and I've held that property. I still have it today uh, and it's rented out. Um, and then I just kept adding things on. Right. And I taught my kids how to do it. You know, when they went to college, we, we bought a house and then they rented it and they had to make the payments. And basically I gave it to them, you know, with the note that, that we put into it and they've since financed it and it's, and it's theirs. So, um, you know, it's, it, once you know it, it's easy to put it, you know, to help other people, uh, get to it. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, I did a lot of residential. My, my, I helped my father with uh, apartment buildings. I saw him build multi-units, 32 units, et cetera. And I think at one point in his life, he had, uh, you know, 250 doors. Uh, there was uh, 12 kids. So he had to have something that was making money because he had to discipline us and make sure we weren't going down the, the, the wrong road, you know? So, uh, uh, that's basically how I learned learned the real estate. I like the single family 
homes that were easy to get in and I understood them a little bit more, but we did get into multifamily and I got into commercial retail and, and uh, warehouse, et cetera. What, what, t- t- today, uh, what's, your, what's your specialty? I guess I know you're in all of it, but what is, what's your sweet spot? What's your bread and butter? Uh, well, today I'm more into, uh, I like lending. I like selling properties with owner financing. Uh, and the reason I do that is because one of my friends, I don't know if you know him, Dave Van Horn, asked me one day, would you rather a rent check in the mail or a mortgage payment in the mail? And I said, well, the mortgage payment is less work. I don't have to deal with you know tenants, toilets, and trash. Um, so I said, at this point in my life, I would rather have the mortgage payment, you know? But you don't you don't get the appreciation on a mortgage payment. You get the cash flow and less time managing the properties. Uh, with with owning the properties, et cetera, you get the appreciation and the de- and, and the depreciation on your tax returns. So they both have have a uh, pros and cons. Yeah, a, a play. So if you mix the two together, which is where I am today. Uh, I have some real estate and I have some notes and mortgages and you got to play the ups and downs and the cycle. So that's what, what, you know, I'm doing presently. And I like tax liens too. So that's my three, you know, real estate and real estate related products, because if I end up getting a property back, I don't care. You know, I already owned it. I know it and I see it. And I, hopefully I got enough down payment to where it makes it worthwhile for me. Because I'm, I'm very, you know, I was launching rockets at Kennedy Space Center, and they're very conservative with people's lives, and it's something that I either had or it was drilled into me. So I don't like risk, um, so I'm risk averting, but I also don't want to get, you know, a tenth of a percent on a CD in the bank. So I try to find things that are, you know, less risky. And for me, real estate and real estate related products are that. I love that. So when 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 um when investors are bringing you deals, what is the process for them to bring you a deal, and what do you do, or what does your team do on that end to vet the deal and to get back to the investor and saying, "Hey, this is what we're willing to do." Um, basically, when uh, I have so many deals coming to me, you know, I I have the self directed IRA company, and when I learn that I could make real estate income and I could have rents come in tax-free and I have a tax-free environment uh, to be making money. And uh, that was an eye-opener to me, right? Because that's saving you 30 or 40% a year on your income. So basically you can work, you know, 40% less and still have the same income. So taking that into account, I, um, uh, you know, I, I like buying properties. I like tax-free investing. So I use a lot of Roth uh, accounts. Um, and, you know, based on some of the new rule changes in the last year or so, I've been adapting my plan a little bit. But uh, when deals come in, I'm looking obviously on risk, you know, You know, let's talk about if it's a flip, you know, do they own the property? Do they own it outright? How many have they done? You know, how many of their contractors are set up? 
you know, have they taken into account the rise in the lumber costs, et cetera? So, you know, do they know what they're doing? If they do, you know, five or 10 um, or 20 rehabs a year, then they're, you know, they're basically at a different tier. The second thing is how long I've been working with them. Uh, uh, even though we, we write it based on the property and not necessarily on the individual, I want to make sure I'm working with a, an individual that's, you know, moral and ethical uh, uses professional paperwork and understand so, and understands the pros and cons. So you're still pretty, ha- you're still pretty hands-on. You're not hands-off to where a lot of this is done by an acquisition manager. You're still getting to know the investors and things of that nature. Um, yep. Yeah, I've always got to know them. I mean, there's certain things that are sitting in there, uh, but it's the same thing when, when you rent, rent a house or rent an apartment, um, you know, it was, and I don't know where I learned it. Maybe my dad taught it to me, but you know, when somebody drives up and they've got their wife and kids and, and, uh, <clears throat> they're yelling at their wife and kid and they're a little bit disrespectful. Uh, it's only a certain amount of time. That's, that's what's in that person's DNA. And I look at that and I say, do I want him yelling at me like that as a landlord or as the property manager? And, um, so it's kind of, you know, you get to know the people and you want to know whether you want to do business with them. And I'm fortunate enough to do business with people I like and know. You know? I love that. Absolutely. You talked a little bit earlier about these, you know, Roth IRAs and things of that nature. And when you discovered this entire new world, you were just like, oh man, what is this? Why is it? Explain it for for a listener who's who's wet behind the ears. You're just trying to figure out what you're talking about. Why why is investing in such a way so advantageous? Well, the the main thing is is you make almost twice the amount of money with the same amount of work, which I loved. Okay, but when I heard about this, you know, my dad died and he died land rich and cash poor, and he had a note that was basically in default at twenty eight percent. And I had to go borrow some money to pay that off uh, because they were going to foreclose on a piece of property that was worth worth a lot more. And I borrowed some money and I borrowed it from this guy that had an IRA and I didn't really understand it at the time. But, you know, because I was trying to help out with the estate and get the get the things fixed. So I borrowed the money, got everything in order. And then I went back to him and I started talking to him about this and asking them, you know, IRAs, I've only heard that you could put stocks and bonds in there. And I've got some IRAs that, you know, they taught us in a financial course to open up, you know, stocks, bonds, and CDs and mutual funds. How do you, how are you doing this? He says, well, you have to get a, a uh, specific person. So I called up his bank and they wouldn't give me the time of day. They said, you don't have enough money. You don't have a relationship with, with us. And we're not, And we're not, um, you know, going to do that at this point in time and teach it. So I went back trying to find a lot of information. And this was in the early 90s. Um, and there wasn't a lot of information. There weren't any books on it. I went back to Cornell's uh, University's library and tried to find some, some information there on it. I even called up the IRS to, to find information on it. And all I got was like a, a thread to pull, you know, which said, oh, yeah, you can do it but nobody here knows how. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so then I searched the country and, and the internet was coming around at that point in time uh, in the mid 90s. And I started learning about it at that point in time. And then I learned it and it took me two years because I went to the attorneys. Again, I told you I'm conservative. Went to the financial advisor, my attorneys, bankers, accountants. And I said, what about this? And they said, yeah, it's very, you know, it's very risky. And, uh, you know, sometimes they run away with your money. So that, you know, made me kind of do it a little bit less and less. But I kept investigating it. And after two years, I did a deal where I put some money you know, transferred money out of my IRA to a self-directed IRA and lent it to a friend of mine that was uh, building onto his shop. And uh, he paid me the interest, paid it back. I showed it to my accountant. He said, yep, this is all good and legal. So at that point, I said, well, you made me slow down. It took me two years to get this done. You know, I could have been working on it two years sooner. So after that, I, you know, I went into it, you know, a big way. I call it toe dipping, you know, where you put your toe in before you jump into the freezing cold water or the, or the nice warm bath. Um, so that's, that's what that was. And then I learned it. And uh, the end of the 1990s, 98, the Roth IRA was born. And I couldn't believe that you could make tax-free income. And that took me a little bit, you know, more to do it. But in 98, I converted uh, money to a Roth. And uh, then I watched it and did my tax returns and everything worked out to, uh, you didn't have to pay taxes on it. So then I looked at where I was. And, you know, when you first start out in real estate, um, you have a lot of write-offs, you know, depreciation, interest, et cetera. But when you write these things off as you get older, and now I've seen it at you know at my age, I've paid off a lot, and the depreciation has gone away because, as I said, I buy them old, and my accountant was telling me to you know sell that property and buy another one and restart it, and you know <clears throat> that would mean more work, you know, finding the places that I already knew about. So. Uh, you know, in the early 2000s, I went into Roth IRAs big, big time. And now, you know, have a lot of tax-free income where I don't have to worry about write-offs. I don't have to worry about capital gains. I don't have to worry about the depreciation. And um, <clears throat> it just, you know, it just makes money. And like I said, you don't have to pay the taxes on it. <clears throat> so I can, I can make my rent lower, um, than other people's around the area, thus attracting the best renters. And then I have my choice of the renters because putting a bad tenant in a place is worse than having no tenant in my experience. And when you say you don't have to pay the taxes on it, you mean on the rental income? On the rental income, yeah. I still have to pay the property taxes, but you, you know, I don't know how to get out of that yet. <laughs> if, uh, if only there was a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love this. So you, you've mentioned three different accounts. Now, I just want to make sure that we have complete clarity for our listeners. You mentioned uh, a regular IRA, which is where you were putting your money in, or maybe you still are. And maybe we'll talk about that. You mentioned a self-directed IRA next. And then last but not least, you men mentioned a Roth IRA. What's the difference between the three and where should we be putting our money? Okay, so that's a great question, DeRay. A traditional IRA is one of those IRAs where let's say you put, you know, you make $50,000 and you put $5,000 into your traditional IRA. 
you basically are only going to be taxed at $45,000 out of the 50,000 that you make. Um, and that's what most people know and understand uh, because, you know, you go to pick up your taxes and your accountant says to you, you know, if you put $5,000 into your IRA this year, or $6,000 into your IRA, uh, you'll be able to take home $2,000, you know, and your bill will be $2,000 less or you'll get $2,000, you know, back on your taxes. So everybody opts for that one, right? Now the Roth IRA using the same example is if you make $50,000 and you put that $5,000 or $6,000 in your Roth IRA, you don't get a deduction today, right? So you'll be taxed on the $50,000. And you say, well, then I would do the first one. But here's what happens. Anything that that $6,000 that you put in there makes in the future is all tax-free. If you put it in the traditional account, when you take it out, you're going to be taxed at the rates when you take it out. You know, let's say you're 20 now or 30 now in 30 years when you're 60 and you pull it out, you'll be paying it at the tax rates of whatever the U.S. ordinary income tax rates are at that period of time. And those don't typically go down. Well, I mean, in my lifetime, you're, you're a lot younger than I am, but in my lifetime, when Kennedy was president, uh, he, he took the maximum tax rate was at 90%, and he dropped it down to 72%, you know, and was considered a hero. Uh, Ronald Reagan dropped the tax rates down to the top tax rate down to 28%. So... Uh, that's basically the bounds that I've seen is 28 to 90%. And today we're at 37 or 39, depending on how you want to count it. It's 37, but if you're in the 37 bracket, they throw another 2% on there. So basically, I think we're still closer to the lower end than we are the, the higher end. I'm closer, you know, I'm in the fourth quarter of my life. So I don't want that variable and the way they're spending money, I can only see that the taxes are going to go up in the future. So I want that tax-free income. And then when I die too, my heirs can get 10 years of that tax-free income. Up to last year, they could have got their whole lifetime using it. But uh, right now they get 10 years after I die. So I, I didn't know that they, they implemented that last year. Is that, is that what happened? Yep, they did. Yep. At the end of 2019, they, they changed that law. Oh, that sucks. Yes, it does. Not, not a fan of it, but you know, you, you, they, they can always change rules, et cetera. That's why I tell people go get a Roth right now. The other reason I like Roths is any contributions you put into them, uh, you know, they're like savings accounts. You can take them out if you run into a, uh, into a, a problem and a traditional one, if you take it out, you're going to get, pay a penalty and get taxed. In the Roth, you can take your contributions out. So if anybody's got a savings account, I say, hey, make a contribution and make your Roth IRA a, a, your savings account. And they say, why do that? And I said, well, the first thing is, is, is if you ever get sued and you end up with a judgment against you, they can take your savings account out of the bank, but they can't take your Roth. IRA. 
So there's a lot of there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of benefits to that. So hopefully your your people know that. And if they don't understand everything that I said, they can talk to their accountants. But I'll tell you right now, accountants want you to um, be always less. always defer taxes and don't pay them. So, yeah. so, so they're going to push you into the traditional IRA, although a lot of them are changing their thought process now after they see a lot of our clients. Um, and what I talked about was a self-directed IRA. That was your third question. And either a traditional or a Roth um, IRA can be self-directed. And that, that also includes business IRAs like SEPs or SIMPLES and also 401ks, whether they're company or solo 401ks. Uh, they all can be self-directed if the owners want them to be. So, uh, and what do I mean by self-directed? If you go to somebody like us, we're truly self-directed. Camera Plan does not uh, sell any investments. We don't endorse or recommend any investments. When we say self-directed, you find your investment. We're not going to have a house or an apartment building to sell. We're not going to have a note for you to invest in. We're not going to tell you to buy these tax liens. We're not going to tell you to look at these small businesses or gold or silver, but you pick what you're going to buy. Now, if you go to, let's say, Vanguard, Fidelity, TD, any of the big brokerage houses, they'll tell you you can have a self-directed IRA, but you can only buy what they're selling, right? And they're not going to let you buy the house next door or the uh, office building downtown or the lot that you like down the street that you think is going to appreciate, et cetera. So you basically have a choice of what you're going to, going to buy. Camo plan uh, uses that and does the bookkeeping so that it's an asset in your IRA. When you look at your statement at the end of the year, if you look at your 401k or your IRA, you'll see that you have mutual funds, uh, CDs or stocks or bonds or something in there. Um, if you look at ours, most of our clients are going to see real estate at 123 Main Street or a note on real estate at 123 Main Street or a tax lien or, um, you know, some gold or silver, but, you know, one of those dealing with real estate assets that, that people like and understand. I love it. Absolutely, man. Such a wealth of information, Carl. I've, I've learned so much just in, in, in the first half of our conversation already. And I'm, you know, thinking about the fact that, you know, walk me through maybe the, the inception of Camo Plan, because again, you're a real estate investor, you're a real estate developer, you're a buy and hold investor. When and how and why did you decide to start this company? That's a great question. I should have fed that to you, but no, it's really good. Um, well, when I told you in 1993, when my dad died, that got me started on it. And I have a uh, pretty big sphere of influence with a large family and, and working with, uh, you know, Lockheed Martin and NASA um, at the Space Center. I had a pretty, pretty big sphere. And I learned that everybody liked this tax-free stuff and they saw me doing it. So they asked me to help them with it. And as I was helping them with it over the years, they said, well, why don't you start your own company? Because we trust you better, you know? And I said, I don't know. I'm kind of tired and ready to, to, you know, call it quits. 
manned space flight was, uh, um, you know, going down downhill. We had a few explosions. Um, and I, I saw the handwriting on the wall. We were supposed to be launching, you know, once every two weeks. And now we're launching once every two months. So it was almost like watching paint dry. Um, and not what I'd signed up for when I got out of college. So my sister was graduating Villanova University and working under uh, some trust processing um, software, uh, you know, uh, financial software. And she, she had the uh, brains behind the, the back office and doing that type of uh, work. And she said, uh, you know, and I asked her, I said, do you want to start a company? And she said, yeah we'll do it. So we, uh, we went out and said, all right, well, let's start this. We've already got a certain amount of people that want to work with us. And, um, so that's basically how the company was born. My sister Maggie and myself, uh, opened it up in, uh, uh, 2003, we started talking about it in 2004. We had our first client. Tell me about the services that you provide. Uh, basically we, uh, um, will open up accounts, self-directed accounts for IRAs, like I said, traditional Roth uh, business, SEPs and simples, custodial ones for kids and, and spouses. Uh, we'll also do solo 401ks. We'll work with advisors that do uh, multi-member uh, 401ks. We'll also do health savings accounts, which are my favorite because that money goes in tax deductible and comes out tax free when used for health uh, costs. And then there's also educational savings accounts. So we, we will open all of those accounts. We'll help you fund them either by transferring the money from an existing account or an old 401k or 403b, or you can make a contribution to them. And then what happens is we, uh, um, We'll do the paperwork after you find the asset that you're going to buy, and we'll walk you through that and help you uh, get that process so it's in your IRA or 401k, and you can uh, have either tax-deferred or tax-free income for as long as you own that asset. After you create these, um, these accounts, is there any maintenance on your end or on the user's end to make sure that everything is working how it should be? Um, yep. I mean, we, we charge an annual fee, you know, somewhere uh, like $275 for each house that you have in there, and whether it's a $250,000 house or a million dollar horse farm, it doesn't matter. It's $275 because basically the maintenance we do on it is, you know, take the rents in, post, post the earnings or take the interest payments in if it's a note and post those earnings, you'll have a statement online, just like you do with any of the big brokerage houses. And then we'll do the IRS reporting, you know, with the 5498s and the 1099s uh, every year uh, to the IRS and send you the paper so that you have them for your accountant. And everything works exactly the same as it does with a brokerage house, except you get to choose the assets that you want and that you're good at. I, I, I'm good at real estate because I grew up around it, you know, and I'm not trying to take anything away from the stock market, but I read books on it and I bought software on it, that red, green, and yellow software that you see advertised at three o'clock in the morning. 
And I'm no good at that. I'd rather play blackjack than, than play the stock market. So, um, but if you're good at the stock market and you understand that, then I still think you should be using these accounts to be making money because tax-free money grows uh, exponentially way- fast. Yes, exactly. Perfect. I love that. Now, again, with for my listeners who are getting into real estate or are in real estate and they're trying to figure out where they fit into the grand scheme of things, let's talk to them really quick because you've named quite a few different strategies and accounts. I mean, we talk about SEP IRA, simple IRAs, traditional self-directed Roth, uh, custodial accounts for kids, 403Bs, 401Ks, and then you could even break that down to different 401Ks like your solo 401K and then your HSA. Like, as a brand new person approaching your website or approaching one of you guys, I mean, it can be a daunting situation just to figure out where do I even start? What do you have to say to those people? Well, first thing I want to say is the world uh, rewards action. So I do think you need to take action. Uh, And what I would tell them to do is I would say, open up an account, Get your account open. And by the way, we're the only only uh, administrator that does not charge you a fee until you purchase something, uh, purchase an asset. So what I want you to do is I want you to determine if you want a traditional or a Roth. And if you're not sure, um, open up one or the other, flip a coin uh, or open up both of them. I don't care. And put some money into them. And the first thing that that's going to do is it's going to get you um, past past the hurdle of, hey, my money's not safe, et cetera. And I mean, you can start it out with as little as four or $5,000 just so that you can put a down payment in and then later put more money in it. But I want you to start. I want you to open one up. I want you to see what it is. By doing that, it'll keep it, it'll keep it, um, it'll keep it fresh on your mind. Uh, that it's there and that it's capable versus listening to your presentation and then waiting 10 years and saying, damn, I remember when DeRay had that guy on there talking about that. I should have done it back then. So open up those accounts. Um, If they mention your name, we'll give them half off. It's $25 to open up the account. Uh, Love you. If they do that, and and that's very little risk and put your money in it. And then just watch it. You'll get a statement from us. You can go online. You'll get some emails and some uh, packages sent sent to you during the year, so that that you'll remember that you have that account before you start start trying to figure it out. Because let me let me just say this: people spend so much time on their day job, on their W two job, and that's the worst kind of money that you can make mm-hmm. because they're taking out Social Security. Medicare, uh, state taxes, depending on the state you're living in, and federal taxes, right? Um, And sometimes local taxes. So you've got five or six people, you know, digging off. Chopping at the bit. (laughs) Digging on, you know, and not one of those people have ever gone into your boss and asked for a raise with you. Right. right. But as soon but, as you but as soon as they get that raise, they swipe that money just like you you never knew it. Right. So I do want you to understand that you need to start looking at investment income to get away from your day job or to uh, um, supplement your day job income. What do you have to say to those people who say that tax free income is a scam? 
you're looking at the guy that took two years to believe that it was true, right? <laughs> and and I still have a brother who's who's had his account for 16 years now, and it's only been in the last five years. He says, "Are you sure I'm not going to have to pay taxes on this?" He turned 60, took the money out, told his a uh, you know some of the money out, told his accountant, and his accountant said, "Nope, you don't have to pay taxes on that." Um, so trust me, it's there. Uh, but you can talk to your financial advisors. And, and in fact, I want you to talk to your financial advisors. I want you to do your due diligence. I want you to do your due diligence on Camaplan so much that I gave a due diligence page. I said, here's all the stuff that you should ask about a company. And here it is for our company. Um, because, there, you know, there's a lot of scammers out there. But uh, the government is rewarding you for saving for your retirement because they're running out of money in social security and Medicare. I mean, that's not me saying it. You can turn on the news anytime, you know, any day I think and find somebody saying that either in an article or on TV or on a radio show. So they're rewarding you by not taxing you for that and um, allowing you to use that money tax-free for your whole life and 10 years after you're gone. Ah, I love it. I love how we can kind of bring it back full circle and show how everyone benefits from something like this. From a legal point of view, right, there's a difference between tax avoidance and tax fraud or tax evasion, right? And yep. what we're talking about is tax avoidance. Now, from a moral point of view, right, we pay taxes just so we can help the economy. We can help. I mean, the government uses these funds for X, Y, and Z. From a more moral point of view, how do we position just mentally you know internally amongst ourselves not with other people but you know how do we position of course saving money is always good but how do we how do we kind of balance that that moral civic duty aspect of making sure we pay taxes but also avoiding as much as we can well number one if you're using real estate you're paying you're paying your property taxes the school taxes etc um so they're always looking at that and you know this isn't all, all of your income. You're not making all of your income out of your Roth IRA. And you and I shouldn't say, remember when I said you're paying taxes on that money that you're putting into that account? So you did pay the taxes up front. They're just allowing you to allow it to grow tax-free. And they're having you hold it in there. And that money's uh, propping up the government. It's been used for investments and, and things going out. So from a civic standpoint, I think it's your duty to try to save on taxes as much as you can. Uh, and in my own personal mind, I can give my money to people who need it without it going through the local, state, and federal money and then coming back down mm -hmm. from the feds to the state to the local people that pass it out. Right. And I mean, and we, we've gone on, on charity things where we'll, we'll give, uh, you know, people $1,000 and, and uh, make them go out and see, um, you know, where they're going to spend that money. Some give it to the church. Uh, there was one group that went to Walmart and paid for the bills for people that were going through the uh, checkouts. So there's, there's all different ways that you can figure it out. I personally like to uh, pass the money out to the people I see without taking, you know, anything off the top. 
you know. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that. I knew you were going to give me a great answer from a moral aspects as to how we should think about paying taxes. And I love that. That's beautiful. Mr. Fisher, when you think about, I mean, again, you've kind of talked about, you, you've already cemented your legacy in my eyes, but you've talked about some of the things that you've done and that you want to do and that how, you know, from generation to generation, you've been able to know that real estate has always been for you. And now you've been able to pass that knowledge and those ideas and the, the assets down to your kids. When you think about what your what your North Star is now and, and kind of what you're building towards, again, you're still active. You're still in these deals and you're, you know, you're in some aspects more active than ever. What, what, what are you going after? Um, what I'm doing now is I'm trying to build a legacy. My kids are old enough. And, you know, one thing is when you teach them things, uh, they learn other things uh, as well. And one, uh, you know, I told you in the beginning, I'm a buy and hold guy. And uh, I hold them in good times and in bad. Uh, and what my son has taught me is daddy says, you're right. It's a good asset to have. You know, people will pay you rent when the prices are down, but you need to think about selling when the prices are up and then buying back again when the prices are down uh, and then making that money all in between. And I never looked at it like that. I just, you know, said, hey, I'll have this. And, and as time goes on, but I don't know when I'm going to die. And I might die in a down cycle and I might die in an up cycle, but my son has done a couple of flips. Um, and he said, see the money that I made here on these flips because the time was good for him. Uh, and I never really d did flips unless it, you know, just uh, serendipity and, and happened. Um, you know, I got an offer. I didn't, you know, go out and try to do that. So some of that part is there. So right now I'm trying to teach my kids uh, what I've learned and jumpstart them ahead of the uh, ahead of the crowd. This episode is brought to you by the 90X Journal. It is a little known fact that you are 42 percent more likely to achieve your goals when you write them down consistently. In fact, Forbes describes this as one of the most potent ways to achieve your goals. I actually tried a few of those iPhone journaling apps, but it wasn't the same for me. For some reason, I needed something more visceral, something more concrete. And you can call me old school or you can look at it as a form of brain hacking. But a physical journal has been key to the consistent achievement of my quarterly goals. The thing, though, about physical journals is that they aren't all made the same. And I ran through just as many different types of journals as I did apps, and none of them checked the boxes. Personally, I needed something that would help me create a step-by-step -step plan to achieve any goal in 90 days. I needed something that would help me decide on these goals, decipher the most important ones, time block, and then prioritize. And that's when I found the 90X journal. The only journal that not only has a sleek look that demands compliments, but it's not just arm candy. From a vision board an income tracker, to a 90-day calendar assistant, to habit trackers and affirmations. This journal does it all. And for the BTM tribe, I was able to snag you a sweet discount to try your first one or restock for next quarter. Visit beforethemillions.com forward slash 90x and enter code millions15 at checkout. That's beforethemillions.com forward slash 90x and enter the code millions 15 with the numbers written out one five at checkout. 
Now, since I've started doing these two things, rewriting my goals every single day and using the journal's built-in water consumption tracker, I've had a clear mind and clear skin. LOL. Again, visit beforethemillions.com forward slash 90X and enter code millions15 at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? Um, I love Think and Grow Rich uh, because it, it got me thinking. I like that part of it. And then the second one, because it's a hard question, is I like this book called Keep It, which teaches people how to uh, convert or how and when to convert from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Oh, and, yes. And, and, you know, it's a $20 book, but it saved, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for me. And it's a, you know, a pretty easy read, at least it was for me. Um, so uh, if I can spend 20 bucks and make 50, I think 50,000, I think it's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every day of the week. Yes. <laughs> what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Uh, well, I, I don't know how technically savvy I am, but uh, I don't know. Does the Amazon app work? Oh, that's perfect. That's a perfect one. <laughs> I mean, I got good at that in this COVID environment. I never knew I would use it and how easy it is um, to use. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's the first time recommendation here on the show. And it should be a very, very frequent recommendation because it's a, it's, a such, it's such a powerful app. So I love that answer. Yeah. What is What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I enjoy the time I have. Uh, you know, I enjoy the kids and the grandkids. I love to do outdoor activities. And I love, you know, where I'm living and the views we get and the weather we get every morning. Yes. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Well, quite frankly, I think I've had a pretty blessed life, but nobody goes through life unscathed. Uh, so there were times where, uh, you know, I made mistakes and I lost money. Uh, I may have bought at the wrong time. Um, and you know, some of those things, I, I don't know that I spent as much time with the family when they were younger. I do regret some of that when they were growing up, I missed a couple of things, not many, but, uh, I believe in, you know, people say quality time. I believe in quantity time. And one of the reasons I believe in quantity time is because if you don't put in the time, you're not going to be there at the quality moments. Mm. You don't know when your kid first walks, right? Or, or he has his first hit at the baseball game or his first catch in the football game or wins his first tennis match, things like that you want to be there for. Um, and uh, I think I missed, missed a few of those. Uh, but I was able to let my wife be around to do that. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Uh, I would say my mom and dad is probably the, the foremost because they taught us to be, you know, to get up and go on our own. Don't expect handouts, learn, learn what they knew and then improve upon it. Right. So if I look back at the lessons my dad taught me, I, th I think they're still good today. You know, be honest, 
be honest and truthful and polite and life will get you, you know, will, will be generous to you. Amen to that. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? That's a really good question. Uh, and there's a lot of people that aren't going to like me when I say this, but society is set up to make workers. Okay. When you take a kindergarten kid and you start singing Christmas carols or birthday songs, every single kid is singing, right? By the time they get to high school, there's about two or three. And granted, they're probably better than the rest. But people end up with that peer pressure. If they're not perfect, uh, they shouldn't do it. Uh, so the other thing is from kindergarten on up, you're taught to be at school at eight o'clock, lunch at noon. And when you get to first grade, then you go to three o'clock. So they're already indoctrinating you for a job mm -hmm. and they don't teach you to think for yourself. They want you to march down that street, the government, right to the universities, to the grade schools um, like that, because it makes for an orderly society. Um, and there are some people that are good for that. But for every person that's been given a gift, there become, you know, there's a responsibility associated with that. And I just think, you know, singers should sing, artists should, should create, um, you know, and draw, uh, engineers should build, uh, you know, whatever that gift is that you've got and, and that you're, you're dispositioned to do, that's what you should be doing versus putting, you know, a round peg in a square hole. So I don't know how much, how, how people are going to, going to come along with that, but that's where I think you got to break the norms. You got to look at what's real and not be, uh, indoctrinated by, you know, the schools, the university, and what's worse today is, um, social media, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that's, uh, you know, they're, they're <laughs> basically brainwashing you oh, from, yeah. what, from what I can see. Yeah, I 100% I can can resonate with that for sure. Um, yeah, we got we to gotta limit that consumption. Absolutely. Carl, this has been an amazing podcast episode. I've learned, I mean, I, there's so much I have written down that I wanted to ask. We only have so much limited time. The listeners want to learn. They want to learn a little bit more about your company, what you got going on, where they can find some more information. Where can they find you and your company? Camaplan.com. C-A-M-A-P-L-A-N.com. That's our website. You can set up a personal uh, consulting call if you want. You can send us emails. You can uh, um, pop questions onto the website there if you want them answered. You can look. We have videos and education that's all free uh, once you get a uh, password. Um, so all of this stuff is free. But again, I want people to open up the accounts. We're not going to charge them anything until they do a deal, but we want them set up so that they think about this. I am pumped about this company. I think it's one of the best wealth building tools that are out there. Um, we have a due diligence page on our website that you can check out as well. You can come by our main office in um, Phil right outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm spending more time in Florida now. Uh, so we can set up a time to meet if you're in the South Florida area. 
So whatever whatever people want, we 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 try to accommodate. We'll be glad to do uh, conference calls with their financial professionals and answer any questions with them on the phone as well. So uh, we believe in doing due diligence. We believe in getting your facts. We don't think anybody should rush. And I think you should take things one step at a time. But remember, your time is limited here on this earth. And you've got to take the first step to get to the next one. Even if, you know, as a kid and you fell down, you got up again and moved. And we're going to do whatever we can to help you not fall down. Boom. There we have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Carl Fisher. Carl, it's been a pleasure. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Thanks, DeRay. I really appreciate it. And maybe we can do a... uh, reciprocal interview because I'd like to get your story too. Absolutely. 